Okay, so welcome to the first ever podcast episode of Therapy Level Midnight. The office goes to counseling. The office goes to counseling. I'm Trevor Sharon, and I am joined by... Jesse Steffes. And Jesse, you and I originally <laughs> met through UCCS. Yep. I was a student. You were a professor. I really appreciated your teaching style and mm. you as a person enough to pursue where you were for internship mm. uh, and got that position, which I was really happy about. We were all really happy about that. You wound up being my supervisor. A dream come true for you. For me. For and for you. <laughs> and I know for it. me. For us. <laughs> and actually longer than we were supposed to, too, yes, which was actually, awesome. That was a, a really lovely happenstance. One of the things that sparked this show mm -hmm. was that inevitably... <laughs> Every supervision session, there would be some reference to the office. Yeah. Well, there's not a life experience that's not referenced in the office. You're spot on. That's right. That's right. So it's, it felt felt pretty organic. Yeah. Actually. And it was always like interestingly helpful in working with clients and understanding some of the things that were happening in therapy, right. um, which... Like before I became a therapist, mm -hmm. I didn't think would be possible. Well, the impossible is what I make possible. <laughs> <laughs> but truly and realistically, I think you and I connected on a deep love for something fun. Yeah. And to be able to bring that into a space that is professional mm -hmm. and important yeah. felt really felt really good for me too as a supervisor yeah. to have. And I think that create created shared language for us that yeah. increased our bond and totally. our working relationship. And can I tell them about the gift you gave me? Yeah. Um, at the end of this was one of the, this is probably the best thing I've ever received actually <laughs> in our final supervision session, you gave me um, a Dundee, best supervisor Dundee. Yeah. And it's still, it still sits on my bookshelf in my office. Yep. Along with a packet of uh, Professor Copperfield's <laughs> Miracle, magic, legumes. Miracle Legumes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That I taped on the back of my door so that clients could look at it and wonder what in the hell is that. <laughs> well, and despite what anybody's heard, mm -hmm. a therapist always thinks like a therapist. Oh, yeah. Like it, it's not something like we'll say – no, I'm not analyzing you, but it's more instinctive than right. it is like a conscious choice. Like it's the way we see the world because right. we've been trained. And so I think it's pretty natural for us to look at the office the same way. Sure. And so I texted you a few <laughs> weeks ago <laughs> and I said, hey, Jesse, you should overextend yourself yeah. so that you can do a office therapy podcast with me. Yeah. And your response didn't come very long afterwards. Should I say what the response was? I don't. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I said, you said, do you want to do this? And I said, obviously, you ignorant slut. <laughs> because any relationship based on love. Yep. Like Michael and Dwight. Yes. Which is where that phrase comes from. It's not just from my mind. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> mm -hmm. This isn't some insult I crafted. <laughs> but it's it's how we responded. And it's interesting because, as you said, we never stopped talking or never stopped thinking about 
therapy. We never stop seeing the world through therapist lens. I almost look at that as a deficit in many ways because mm-hmm. I can't just enjoy something cleanly, right? Right, um, right or like have a clean argument because um, it's like, well, what trauma, you know, impacted yeah. whatever, <laughs> right? But it's it's different with the office because I've been watching it since it <clears throat> since it first aired mm-hmm. um, many moons ago, and I feel like I just love it more and more, mm-hmm. the more complexly and more layered I can actually see yeah. it. Yeah. Cause I think back in, you know, it was high school for me, mm-hmm. uh, when it came out where it really seemed pretty surface level. It was, it was corny. It was silly. Right. And as an adult, I really enjoyed it because the humor was just spot on. Yeah. It was fast paced. There was always something interesting happening. Mm-hmm. The, the plot move just fast enough. Oh yeah. And then as a therapist, uh, I think it really start. I really started seeing it through a therapist's eyes when somebody, when my wife actually asked, she mm-hmm. was like, Trevor, is Michael autistic? Oh, wow. And I was like, what do I know about autism? Yeah. What do I know about Michael? Mm. Let me put them together. And I started really exploring it in my head. Yeah. And then had to come to my wife and say, okay, here's my thoughts. I don't yeah. think Michael has autism. Right. There's something else going on. Maybe narcissism? Like, and so started this discussion. And, and ever right. since then, it's been really interesting to be able to do two viewings of the show. The viewing where I'm doing my editing work and mm-hmm. not really paying attention, but looking over, laughing, and coming back to my work. Mm-hmm. And the other one where I'm watching and I'm like, you know, this is a very interesting dynamic between (laughs) Pam and Dwight. Yeah, They're saying a lot that they aren't actually using words for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's what's happening outside of what we're getting to see that's developing such rich relationships. It's it's interesting how you how you look at that, because I so it was it was college for me when it came out. And I remember distinctly standing in my parents' living room and they watched the pilot episode. And I watched the first few minutes and I was like, this is awful. Yeah. Like it's this character is unlikable. Michael Scott, right. he's horrible. Yeah. This is dry. It doesn't make sense. It's not funny. Yeah. It was too British. It you? was too it was too British because they were still they were still really holding on to yeah. the template that had been laid. And I, I don't know what made me give it a second chance, but I remember thinking like, I have a deep sense of guilt forever mm. feeling that initial <laughs> feeling because I, I am so deeply in love now yeah. with the show. But it's, it's interesting because I look at it as a system um, a little bit more so like that show and that system of that family, if you yeah. will, of Dunder Mifflin exists exactly as it ought to because every character is exactly who they need to be and none of them are perfect yeah and that reminds me of a real family totally yeah i I remember thinking even early on like every single character was so specifically and purposefully designed Mm. for that office Mm -hmm. from a a diversity perspective Mm from a character dynamic personality encounters like all of those things like it just feels like they don't all belong in the same office Mm -hmm. but they're perfect all in the same office well and as we watch those of us who've watched the later seasons as we watch (laughs) them (laughs) we see that when there's additions or subtractions how the mobile of the system shifts and it struggles 
And there's some additions that we all were like, mm, yeah. I don't know. Or the majority of us yeah. were like, eh. So for me, I'll start off by being very honest with our listeners and we can hash this out together. Yeah, expose yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so as soon as Sabre takes over, <laughs> Dunder Mifflin <laughs> yep. is the point where things started getting a little bit wonky for me as I was watching mm -hmm. it. Because it didn't feel the same and mm -hmm. it took some adjustment, which I thought fit really nicely because the entire office is trying to move from what they know to right. this new system with new authority and all of this. And it's sort of, I mean, the same way that we're not supposed to like Charles Minor. Yeah. I didn't like the change to Saber. <clears throat> right. And so it felt really purposeful and meaningful to me mm -hmm. to, to experience that discomfort. Yeah. You know, there's the therapist coming out of me. <laughs> and right. so, um, but what I realized I've watched the entire series. I have. I've mm -hmm. watched the entire series through episode one to the end twice. Yeah. However, as I keep watching, I've realized that I stop watching as mm. soon as Michael proposes. Mm -hmm. Because there was a moment. Yeah. There's really vulnerable Trevor here. <laughs> there, there, there was a time, I think it was my second watch through of The Office in its entirety, where Michael's leaving episode. Yeah. I sobbed, yep. wept mm -hmm. for two full hours mm -hmm. afterwards because it just hit on so much of my stuff. Oh, yeah. Really had just a major impact on me. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I love about The Office is that it's able to touch some things, but in a really light way. And that mm -hmm. was so hard for me to work through. Yeah. That there's been a little bit of a resistance to going past <laughs> that. And, uh, you know, I, I started, you know, my, my next watch through, I stopped the episode before he actually mm. leaves. And then the next one, I stopped at the proposal <clears throat> and I was like, this is a really beautiful moment. Yeah. And this feels like the end. I'm okay with the this. The end I want. Yeah. The end I want. Yeah. Because, and, and granted, I do miss a lot of really fun moments and really great stuff in the later seasons. But I also have trouble with how they did the documentary stuff. Sure. And some of the, like, Pam and the camera guy. And, like, all sorts of stuff that just I'm not a fan of. Yeah. And for me, it's really perfect to be able to watch from episode one to the proposal yeah and be done well and, and isn't that the beauty of it though is that there i mean for me there's episodes that i i've watched all of them through multiple times but there's some that if i don't have the internal resources the emotional mm -hmm. temperature to watch i can't yeah and so i've frequently stopped before um, the finale, yeah. I've watched all the way up till the second to last episode of the yeah. entire series or um, stopped after the the proposal as well and just taken a break because it's it's really so one of the things that I'm, I'm wondering if that touches on for you like it did for me is when Michael leaves, a playfulness dies mm -hmm. and this sense of innocence yeah. and silliness because every person after that, there's some there's some humor there in the next supervisors yeah. and bosses, but that really lovableness mm -hmm. never really fully comes back until, you know, Dwight's wedding day. Yeah. And he shows up in the door. There's a small part of it that kind of feels like that transition from home to living on your own. Mm. Where at home, it's really safe and it's not perfect at all. Right. It's but dysfunctional it's even. And it's, and, it's, and it's something that you're familiar with and it mm -hmm. feels comfortable even when it doesn't. Right. And then 
you move out on your own and suddenly there's rapid change mm -hmm. that we see. I mean, he go, we go through how many bosses after Michael? Three, right. four. Yeah. And then we also have the chaos of characters coming in and out relationship dynamics mm -hmm. changing pretty drastically right the whole concept of the show being flipped on its head mm -hmm. and i think that that's really jarring um right for anybody who watches let alone the ones that are watching with real analysis and mm -hmm. trying to like invest their their thoughts and minds into the characters and stuff right well and i wonder too of something that you're making me think of is the emotional um, lability of the, of the, the clients. Uh, <laughs> it is the therapy the goes to, uh, the office goes to the counseling. Right? <laughs> Therapist level midnight. Um, the emotional bandwidth though, and vocabulary and expression becomes more complex. Yeah. I believe with every season. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because some of my very favorite episodes are directed by Mindy Kaling. Mm hmm um, Kelly's character. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fantastic to watch because the depth that they bring. And I, I wonder if that's part of it too, is that it, there are some times like the, um, the episode where Holly and Michael are at the company picnic mm -hmm. and reveal through their weird, <laughs> <laughs> um, play, you know, that Buffalo <laughs> shutting down. That is so uncomfortable for Very. me because it touches on my own, inability to sit in confrontation and challenge. Mm. And I have a visceral response to that episode. Mm -hmm. But that's such a layered and complex series of emotions that Michael's going through and yeah. that the whole company is going through. And so I think we can look at The Office as a very fun thing. Mm -hmm. And also for you and I, people like you and I, it can really be a backdrop to a lot of human experiences. Yeah that we if, can add richness to. Even if you look at the pilot or the first five episodes, right? we hit on, well, okay, let's talk about maybe just even the first 10 minutes yeah. of the show. We've got a whole lot of racism, a whole lot of yep. sexism. We've yes. got some homophobia. Yep. We've got um, inappropriate office dynamics. Yeah. We, we have an example of everything that an office shouldn't be. Shouldn't look like. And also an example of what offices oftentimes feel like, but yes. not in such a dramatic way. Which is the beauty of humor, right? Is that things are funny that we can connect to. Mm -hmm. And so really fantastic comic geniuses will touch on things that are part of human experience, dark or not. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've, we'll get to this, I'm sure in, in this journey together, but the office and the dynamics that they highlighted I don't know how it would survive in today's climate. It wouldn't. I mean. Yeah. I mean, the diversity we're talking about was more tokenism than anything. Absolutely. And so to have one, you know, they, they label Oscar as Hispanic um, or Latina, as <laughs> Michael references at one point. And then we have Stanley, who's a person of color. Mm -hmm. And. And then Kelly also, yeah. but you know, and Daryl, I guess there's, there's diversity. There's on the a cast. lot of really good diversity, but it is visual diversity, visual diversity for sure. Yeah. But it's also in a very, um, I'm just going to say purposeful way. I think it's very purposeful. I guess it has a lot of flaws. Yeah. It has a lot of benefits, but it, it feels very purposeful. Well, and you know, you're bringing up a good point and what I'm hearing in that is that they don't just have people of color or people from yeah. um, 
like Oscar's sexual identity. They don't have them there and not talk about their intersectionality and diversity. Right. They make it a point of the show, even if it's done yeah. kind of ham-handedly. Right. It's still at we least We even have different about. backgrounds of Dwight the farmer. <clears throat> right. We've got Jim, the new the the sports guy, yeah. and higher SEO. We've got yeah. Meredith at a lower SEO. With we a substance Angela with issue. Yeah. Substance issue. Angela um, with her religious background. Mm -hmm. um, and we even see diversity within um, a Christian realm of yep. Angela's re religion, spirituality, whatever, compared to that of Pam and Jim right. and um, Toby's. Yeah. Yeah. Toby, I, Toby's got, Toby is such a deep character and I know mm -hmm. we'll go into that, but even just his, his wrestling with faith is a really kind of um, tossed in concept, but yeah. it's really heavy Yeah, and significant. Yeah. I think the Toby episode is going to be super fun. Yeah. Speaking of which, maybe we should talk to the listeners just a little bit about our goals for this yeah. show. Yes. Uh, so our goal is one season. Yes. And in that season, <laughs> we are going to do an episode on each of the main characters. Mm -hmm. We were discussing before we started recording. Yeah. We can't really think of anyone that wouldn't merit a total show. I did think of one person. I thought that Aaron might be a question mark, but yeah. at the same time, I think there's so much to her yeah. that she deserves a full one. Well, and, and maybe those kind of tertiary characters like Aaron and, and Plop and, you know, Dwight Jr. Maybe we, maybe we lump them together, but, yeah. but characters like we have a lot to talk about yeah. Phyllis, even though she's so right. unassuming or, yeah. you know, Stanley's We won't be character. doing an episode on Devin. Who? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Devin gets, and then he <laughs> rips up his Pizza Hut Domino's coupons. Yeah. Maybe we could get Pizza Hut or Domino's to sponsor this. Ooh. Pizza Hut. No, we need Chili's. Oh. <laughs> we need to go to a Chili's and record We one need to episode. record from Chili's. Yeah. I want my baby back, baby back. <laughs> I want my baby back, baby back. Baby. We should talk, too, at some point, too, about some of the... Um, incredible cameos that happened throughout oh, yeah. the series, <laughs> yeah. but we'll get there. But yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, we plan to do an episode on each character and, and dive in depth and something important. I, I think too, that you and I assume about each other, but maybe mm -hmm. that our, our listeners wouldn't know about us is that when we talk about mental health and when mm -hmm. we talk about being therapists, that's sacred work for us. Mm -hmm. It's important for us. It's, um, there's ethical implications there yeah. and soul implications for you and I. And so as we walk through this, we have the utmost respect for anybody mm -hmm. who experiences. Um, and you and I both have talked openly about our experiences with mental health yeah. treatment and issues. Um, we have the utmost respect and reverence for that. And yeah. our intention is not to make anything uh, caricature or, uh, you know, invalidate or yeah. make silly, but just to look through the lens of how do two therapists experience the office and the yeah. characters there. And I think there's a strong parallel to what you talked about with the office mm -hmm. of that there's two different levels that you can see it at and there's rich right. depth and there's also just light humor. Yeah, just and I think that I, I see some of our discussion about mental health being the same of right. there's got to be room for humor and laughter Absolutely. with mental health because otherwise it's too heavy and it's too right. scary and it's too messy. Right. And while that is true, like it can't, it is too heavy, too messy, all of those, mm -hmm. we can alleviate some of the struggle and the hurt and the 
frustration and the fear and the uncertainty Mm -hmm. with humor, with just being able to say, yes, the darkness exists, but so does the light. Right. Well, and if, if, yeah, if, if mental health experience issues, wellness, however we want to frame it is part of the human experience, Mm -hmm. why would we carve that out as something that humor doesn't get to have access to? That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And so allowing those to coexist, I, I agree is very important. There's a phrase that you told me in the supervision that has really stuck with me and we were talking about grief and I was struggling with incorporating humor into mm. counseling sessions at the time yeah. and got a new grief client. And you were like, Trevor, do you think that you can use humor in grief work? And I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you threw up everywhere. <laughs> threw up everywhere. <laughs> and you're like, Trevor, humor is salve to grief. Yes. Yes. And as I've thought about that with time, mm-hmm. like it just becomes more and more real in every aspect of life mm-hmm. that humor has a place. Yeah. And has a purpose mm-hmm. and sensitivity is needed, mm-hmm. um, which I think that, you know, to tie it into the office, there are definitely moments where they lose some of the sensitivity very purposefully again. Yeah. And other times where there is quite a bit of sensitivity to these jokes. Right. Um, and I think, I mean, the, the scene that keeps coming up for me is when Michael's talking about wanting to make jokes about AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I think just like in that conversation, it's so oblivious to what's going on. But it also speaks to such a truth about the show that it's important to be able to have humorous conversations about these things because they're important. And And we can do that in a reverent way still. Right. It's funny that the the – the scene that comes to my mind is Pam and Dwight in the stairwell and she's crying and struggling and he, (laughs) he puts his arm around her and it's the most tender, gentle moment, which really I think is a snapshot of their actual relationship. Oh, for sure. But then he says, are are you on your period? (laughs) You're you're PMSing pretty bad, huh? Your PMS is pretty bad, huh? And it's such an empathic, and yet so off target, you know, <laughs> response, but it's, it's hilarious, yeah. you know, and it hits on real, real interactions. I think that very many yeah. people have maybe yeah. with partners Life's or whatnot. Life's not perfect. Life's not perfect. And yeah, I think that, um, you're right. The humor has to have access there. Yeah. yeah. So Jesse, let's, um, let's maybe just talk real briefly at the end Mm -hmm. of this episode about our favorite cold open. And I don't think we should include the um, fire drill in it because that's unfair. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well then my favorite is um, when Kevin's trying to bring his chili to work (laughs) and and he spills it all over the carpet. This is probably the best thing I do. I start late at night. I roast the tomato. It's, and what I love about it is, I, so I can I made chili last night actually for dinner for for my partner and I. It was so cold. It was perfect meal. But I cannot make chili without thinking about that. But what happens for me is I I delight in that cold opening. And I'm also so grossed out by it because yeah. when he's using the clipboard <laughs> to shove it back into the pot, it's actually a really effective method. Yeah. And I keep thinking about all the carpet particles that are getting into that bucket of yeah. chili. And there's so much of it. It's just, it's a perfect scene. And how, um, 
how Kevin's character, how the actor uses his body for comedy yeah. is one of my favorite things about him. Um, his yeah. voice is so different as Kevin than it, I've as seen him in other ads. Brian, yeah. And yeah. man, it really throws me off. Yeah. He had a Kevin voice. He had a Kevin voice for nine seasons. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I love that moment. Yeah, How about it's you? It's such a good one. I think my favorite is identity theft. <laughs> I just love it because it's so good. It just, it has such a slow burn until the final moment. And then, and then when he comes in yeah. as Jim. That is a really good one. It's just so good. You know, I, I'll be honest too. Something that I struggle with is I watch so many bloopers. Oh, yeah. That sometimes when I'm watching The Office, I'm thinking about the alternate yep. bloopers that could have happened. Or the alternate scenes. Yeah, additional yeah. scenes. Yeah. So identity theft. I love that one because there's the bloopers are such a good. Oh, my gosh. They're so That's good. my palate cleansers. I go watch bloopers and then come back. Yep. To <laughs> so we've actually watched more of The Office than there is The Office. We've watched more of The Office than the general public. Yep. So mm -hmm. we are experts in both the field of therapy and the field of The Office. Well, and in many cases, they'll bring you to court as an expert if you have a year in the field. So I think oh. you and I are. Yeah. We could go to court about The Office if we needed I'm to. I'm going to do some real quick calculations. <laughs> So, so doing some quick calculation, Trevor and I have figured out that I have watched <laughs> the amount of hours of the office that was actually required of direct hours for my licensure as a counselor. <laughs> so I technically, what could I be called? Um, instead of a licensed professional counselor, maybe a licensed professional office watcher, <laughs> LPOW. An LPOW. <laughs> An LPOW. <laughs> But yeah, and, and and how many hours did we calculate for you? So I'm down to 500 something hours. And it's mostly because I don't keep an exact track of how many sure. times I watch through it. And I only watch seven seasons instead right. of nine. Yeah. And I but just I'm happy loop through. Yeah. It's, we have to find what works for us. And to be honest, like most of the time, I'm a videographer. So I do mm -hmm. a lot of video editing. And I have my system set up where I have my monitor in front of me on the desk. And then across the room, I have the TV connected to the computer. Right. And like Google Home is like familiar with me. It's already created a routine without me having to tell it to. I walk That's downstairs scary. and it, here's the office right where you left off. Here you go. <laughs> we know who you are. Yeah. It's going to pour you a bowl of Captain Crunch soon too. <laughs> go ahead and sit Just down and live your life. my circuit board. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. We hope that you have enjoyed this first yep. episode of Therapy Level Midnight. Keep in mind that all pilots suck, including <laughs> The Office and Therapy yeah. Level Midnight. <laughs> but maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. Of course we don't suck. We don't suck. We're really cool. We're great. But we're excited for you all to be on this journey with us. I hope you are afraid of how much you love this show. <sighs> yes. Would you rather be loved or feared? Well, easy. <laughs> <laughs>